You're listening to Theology for the Rest of Us. You've got tough questions. We'll try to give you easy answers. Now, here's your host, Kenny Ortiz. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Theology for the Rest of Us. I'm your host, Kenny Ortiz, coming at you from beautiful Orlando, Florida. Thank you so much for taking a few minutes out to listen to this episode of the podcast. I am super excited for this episode because I had a chance to do a really cool interview a few weeks back, and I think you guys are going to really, really enjoy this. A quick podcast update. We have had tremendous growth since we launched this thing a few weeks back, or I guess it's been a few months now. Uh, It's been about three months since we launched this thing, and the growth has been steady, and it's been awesome. Uh, More listeners, more downloads, lots of emails, lots of comments. It has been fantastic. I want to ask a huge favor for anyone who has been a regular listener for any length of time. Can you do me a huge favor? Can you head over and leave a review? No matter what directory or what app you're using, make sure you leave a review. But especially if you are an Apple user, you're listening to this in the podcast app on an iPhone or iPad, can you do me a huge favor? Open up the podcast app, go over to the search section, type in Theology for the Rest of Us. The show will pull up and right there on your phone or from your device, you can leave a review. Please leave a five-star rating. Let the world know you love the podcast. Those do two big things for us. Number one, they're incredibly encouraging to me on a personal level, and they inspire me to keep going. And then secondly, they really help in terms of pushing us up to search rankings. So the more positive reviews we have, literally the more people we can reach. So if you could leave a review, that would be a big, big help. Thank you in advance. All right, let's dive into the meat of this episode. This is episode 79, and we're going to be diving into the topic. Why is it important for us to understand that homosexuality isn't just an issue? It's not just a debate. It's not just a topic. It's much grander and much more important than that. And that is really important to remember. I think sometimes uh, people forget that issues are not isolated from human beings. For those of you who are regular listeners of the podcast, uh, you know that you know, of our previous 78 episodes, at least nine of them deal with topics related to sexuality in one way or another. And I've covered everything from masturbation and birth control to sex toys to understanding God's design for marriage. And our previous episode, episode 78, I answered the question, why is homosexuality a sin? I, I, and I make the statement there that I think it's always important to kind of give the why. Like, it's not just adequate or, or good enough, in my opinion, to say, well, the Bible says so. Like, I always want to go beyond that. I want to go to a deeper level. And something that's also very important to remember as we go to a deeper level is to always remember that when we deal with these sort of topics, that we're not just dealing with quote-unquote issues. We're dealing with real-life scenarios that real people are dealing with. We're talking about real human beings people that God loves that Jesus died for. This is extremely important. And with that in mind, that's the reason why I did the interview that you're about to hear. I had a chance to interview Dr. Preston Sprinkle a few weeks back. If you're not familiar with him, he is an author, speaker, and college professor. He gained some national attention several years ago when he co-wrote a book with Francis Chan, yes, that Francis Chan, uh, they, co- they co-wrote a book called Erasing Hell. Dr. Sprinkle actually served as one of the teaching pastors for several years at a church uh, in Southern California where, where Francis Chan was the lead pastor. And then Chan and some others 
uh, launched Eternity Bible College in Southern California, and Dr. Sprinkle has been a part of that for quite some time. In the last few years, he actually just moved to Boise, Idaho, where he now serve, serves as the vice president of their Boise campus. So Eternity Bible College has a campus in Boise, and he serves there. He, had, he got his undergraduate degree and his Master's of Divinity from the Master's Seminary in Southern California. After that, he moved to the UK, where he lived there for several years, and he earned a PhD in New Testament from Aberdeen University. So Dr. Sprinkle knows his stuff. This dude is very, very sharp. He actually also has a podcast called Theology in the Raw. He takes a very similar approach to theology as I do. So when you hear this guy talk, you're going to think to yourself, I know why Kenny likes this guy. So I listen to his podcast every day, about a 15-minute podcast talking about theology, very similar to this podcast. So really a, a, a great, great fit. He's written several books, and one of them is the book we're going to be diving into today. And the title of the book is People to be Loved, Why Homosexuality is Not Just an issue. That's exactly what I wanted to talk about. And I figured if I'm going to dive into this topic, why not bring on the guy who literally wrote the book on the topic? I really think you guys are going to enjoy this interview. One additional note before we dive into it, Dr. Sprinkle was really sick the day that we did the interview and his wife was also sick. So when, when both parents are sick and you've got kids in the house, that's difficult to deal with. It was also extremely early. It was like 7 a.m. his time. So uh, I was really excited that he did the interview. A lot of guys would have canceled under the circumstances, but he was extremely gracious. So big thanks to him for doing the interview. I'm really glad we had a chance to get him on the show. And I really think you guys are going to learn from this. I'm excited to bring it to you. So without further ado, my interview with Dr. Preston Sprinkle. We are now on the line with Dr. Preston Sprinkle. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Dr. Sprinkle, I know you are up early there in Idaho as well as you're not, I know you're feeling a little under the weather. So I really, really appreciate you taking a time out to invest in our audience. I'm feeling okay, man. Thanks for having me on and I'm, I'm happy to happy to be on your show, Ken. Man, I'm, I'm really excited about this. Uh, and so as I mentioned in the intro, uh, Dr. Sprinkle has written several books, including uh, a relatively well-known book with Francis Chan called Erasing Hell, which was uh, partially a response to a very famous book by, by Rob Bell. And I'm uh, really excited. I heard you, I heard you on, the, on a show with Steve Brown a few weeks ago. I was really excited about some of the things you, you're sharing. So you got a new book out. I want to give you the time to talk about that. It is called uh, People to be Loved. Why homosexuality is not just an issue, and you had some fantastic thoughts and insights. So I want to give you the time. Tell us why did you write this book and what's it about? I, I began researching for the book uh, j just to understand the the whole debate about homosexuality. I mean, a few years ago when I started researching, um, it was something that you know was increasingly challenging the church. I had students asking me about it, people, friends, family asking me about it. You know, the buzz was really picking up in, in the media, and I had realized that I had never studied this topic out in any depth at all. And uh, I just assumed that the Bible condemned homosexuality, but like I've done with several books, when, when I want to tackle a controversial topic, I say, I kind of tell myself, I, I can't do this with any amount of integrity unless I'm willing to go where the text leads, and it may lead me away from my previously held convictions. Um, because like a lot of American, well, not just, I mean, like a lot of people, but Christians are included there, you know, we have these 
beliefs about this and that, and half the time we don't even know why we believe what we believe. We just know that we believe what we believe, and and I don't like that. I think that that's not a good posture for a Christian to have. And so I I came before God and said, you know, I'm going to go where where the text leads, and and um, even if it leads me to affirming same sex relations, and that's where I'm going to go wholeheartedly. And that freaked a lot of people out <laughs> when I had that posture. A lot of people don't want you to go where the text leads. They want you to just affirm what, what they believe the text says. So um, so I, I began that study, and uh, I, I, I was blogging my way sort of uh, in real time, as you will. Like mm. every week I would, I would study a passage and, and read this and read that, and then I'd blog about it, not with any conclusion, but just kind of thinking out loud, and that – you know what's interesting, Ken, is I, I got a, a wide audience kind of looking on at my journey. Here's an evangelical theologian writer, you know, actually being somewhat open-minded about this. So I, I actually made a lot of uh, gay friends through that whole process. <laughs> I think they appreciated. I think they were kind of shocked by my by my posture in it all. They've never, you know, it's sad, but they said we've never seen an evangelical like willing to go where the Bible goes. <laughs> Like golly, well, that's a sad commentary. Yeah, tragic. <laughs> um, but just yeah, it's interesting. I, I ended up uh, the more I studied it, the more I saw that the Bible does prohibit, I believe, uh, same-sex behavior. Um, I think the Bible says that same or that, that sexuality belongs within the covenant relationship of a man and a woman in, in marriage. And uh, so I came, I came in a sense, full circle, came back around and, and said, no, I, I, do, I do think the church has gotten this question right. However, one of the things I did within my study is I began befriending a lot of different gay, lesbian, transgender people just and just just to listen, you know, not not to, you know, bring a picket sign or to confront or whatever. I just but just I just want to hear their stories. And that. That aspect of my quote research, you know, it really wrecked me. I mean, story after story after story, her testimonies of gay and lesbian people were raised in the church, were dehumanized in the church, lonely, isolated, and then they end up leaving because they wanted to be known and to know other. Like they wanted love, they wanted companionship, they wanted authentic relationships, they wanted to be you know, somebody to walk with them through this process and, and they didn't find it in the church. And that, that was one of the most discouraging things I've ever realized about evangelicalism. So the book is a combination of all that, which, which you know, you, you said it's, it is a unique book in that, well, you know, some, one of my friends just recently told me, he says, you go, you, you go as far as you can possibly go in challenging the church on this question without being affirming. I said, that's kind of a good, a good way to describe it. Um, most books pick one side and ride that side from beginning to end. Whereas in this book, you know, I do affirm and I look at passages and I, and I'm, uh, unapologetically, you know, uh, will will say that the Bible says that same sex behavior is wrong, but then I'll, I'll come back around and challenge the church because I think we've almost completely dropped the ball on this question in terms of, um, isolating people and not, well, I mean, just not loving people like Jesus would have. So that's, uh, yeah, that's the book in a nutshell. Man, I, I love your perspective. Um, and, I, you know, I love, I, when I, the thing that grabbed my attention originally was the subtitle, you know, you know People to Be Loved, the title, but why homosexuality is not just an issue. I, well, I love that idea. I know, I mean, this is hot and heavy in our world of politics. You know, people talk about the gay marriage issue. Like, and I, yeah. And I, I mean, I remember once I'm having a conversation with someone. I, I mean, my blood boiled hot, and I'm like, 
<laughs> this isn't an issue. These are human beings that are loved yeah. by God, whom Christ died for, whom whom yeah. God wants to call in the relationship. I mean, yeah. and, and I think sometimes it's easy to make it. It's it's easy to dehumanize the when it's an issue. It's easy to de- yeah. dehumanize people. Um, so a, a, as you're having these conversations with people that f- feel like they were you know rejected by the church, or maybe felt isolated or lonely, uh, what would you say? What what could have been different, or how? You know, someone listening to this is a you know an evangelical Christian. What can they do different, or how can they uh, show love in a tangible way that maybe would cause people not to feel isolated? I think on a corporate level, the problem is that Christians who are not affirming, right, who hold to a traditional sexual ethic, I think there's a lot of fear to say anything other than homosexuality is a sin. I mean, if you start, can you imagine if if a pastor got up and just simply spent 10 minutes confronting gay bullying and just left it at that? Like, Mm. it is a shame that people are being bullied because of their sexuality. He would get accused of being affirming, a heretic, all this stuff. Like, I think there's such a fear to do anything other than say homosexuality is a sin. If if you do anything else, then you're seen as loving gay people or something, or defending homosexuality or... You're going liberal. You're on a slippery slope. But what what does that do to the to the 15-year-old kid who's wrestling with same-sex attraction? If the only yeah, thing yeah. he hears is homosexuality is a sin, if the only thing he hears is you know sound bites from Fox News about this and that and our culture going to hell in a handbasket, you know that. Golly, I mean, you start cultivating these. You already are wrestling with your sexuality in really you know desperate ways, and for the most part, that's not everybody's story. But um, <clears throat> so I think churches need to send the signal that we are a safe place. We are an absolutely safe place for people to be very upfront and open with where they're at in their sexuality. Um, and, you know, people say, well, how do you do that? And also say you're against same-sex behavior. And, you know, I don't, if you're a Christian, most people assume you're against it. What they don't know is that you still love all people. That's a great like I've heard so many gay people say, I've never heard a Christian tell me God loves me. God loves you. <laughs> like they've never heard a Christian tell you God loves you. Like, and, and, and it's funny hearing stories about my gay friends when, when a Christian did actually say, you know what, brother or sister, like God loves you. Like they're shocked. They're like, whoa, never heard a Christian yeah. say that. So I, I just think that there's, our, our rhetoric is so heavy towards condemning same-sex behavior and it's very, very light, you know, on, on – um, you know, reassuring people that this is a safe place to wrestle with whatever you have. You can even wrestle with greed and gossip, and we're not going to condemn you. <laughs> right. So, so you say, well, yeah, I mean, stupid there. I mean, we, we, there's all kinds of you know categories of sins that we kind of allow people to wrestle with, or even even just indulge in without <laughs> we allow it to happen in our churches, and yet. Um, for some reason, we don't we don't create safe spaces for people to wrestle with this this topic. So I think it begins with our rhetoric, and then that should trickle down into our our personal relationships. Obviously, man, that's a it's a really really great point. Um, I, you know, I, as you're talking, I'm thinking to myself. I'm thinking about the times I've sat at Starbucks or at our local coffee shop here, Oxum Coffee in Orlando, and I've sat across with someone who is struggling with some sin, whatever you can you can name it. And I, the number of times I've sat for 30, 45, 60 minutes pastoring them, you know, mentoring someone and talking through it. And I've never felt the need to remind them that what they're doing was sinful because there's an assumption like they know that I think it's sin already. I mean, right. I've never even told them that. And they know it's sinful in most cases. 
Um, but my goal in those cases is like I just want to love them and give them great counsel and great advice. Um, but for some reason, if I'm sitting across the table from someone who's telling me that they're gay or they have same gender attraction, I'm I'm instantly there's this there's this part of me that feels to make sure I clarify. Well, just so you know, I think it's yeah, right. yeah, um, yeah. And, and why do we feel? I mean, why do we feel that with this particular issue opposed to others? Why do you? I mean. Do you have an idea? Maybe it's speculation, but do we have an idea as to why why we have singled this sin out, this issue, you know, in quotes, obviously, this quote unquote issue out from all yeah. the others? Well, I think there's different levels to that. There, there is a historical level where historically, um, gay and lesbian people are people that are engaging in same sex behavior. That historically, this has been more of a scarlet letter sin. Um, I think some of it <clears throat> has to do with the misunderstanding of some of the biblical passages. Uh, Romans 1 in particular, where it says it's unnatural, same, the same-sex relations is unnatural uh, against nature. And uh, while that's true, I believe, I mean, the Bible says it, um, that's, not giving, that's not a hierarchical statement. It's not saying that this is a worse sin. It, it is a different kind of sin, but a lot of sins different in its own way. What's fascinating is every passage that prohibits same-sex behavior, which, you know, there's five, (laughs) Um, every passage that prohibits same-sex behavior is in a context where it also prohibits all kinds of heterosexual behavior, (laughs) greed, lust, lying, disobeying parents, gossip. I mean, look at the rest of Romans. We often stop at Romans 1, verse 27 and don't get to verse 20. 9 through 31, where we have a whole shotgun list of sins that you and I have probably violated this morning, you know? Right, like, right. So it's like, who's that guy that said, you know, Christianity is like one beggar showing another beggar where to find bread, you know? We, we, but we don't have that posture with this sin. And, and the why question, um, I also, so along with kind of just the historical roots of this sin being treated not just differently, but, you know, worse, um, I think, again, going back to the fear thing, there's such a fear uh, in our culture um, to pick a side on this issue, and they do make it an issue, and, and you, 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 know, you circle the wagons, you pull out your guns, and you defend that position, and you're scared of anybody else who's leaving the camp and hopping over the wall, right? And so that sort of fear in our culture spills over into our church, and so it is a very... It is a black and white issue, that, or that, that's how it's treated. And so to have any sort of thoughtful discussion about this quote-unquote issue, I mean, it, it just is, it, it raises all kinds of alarms and fears in people that, goodness gracious, are you going to leave the camp too? Are you going to hop the wall and go join that other crowd? Um, and, and I think, uh, yeah, this is where I think Christians need to be bold and not be scared, be able to talk on many more different levels, be able to relate to people, be able to stand up against gay bullying and, and dehumanization. And who cares if the gossipy legalistic Christian is going to think you're on a slippery slope? Like don't, don't be controlled by that person. Man, that's really great thoughts. And it both what, some of the things you've just said, as well as some of the things you said before we started recording and some of the things I heard you say from the Steve Brown interview, just, just really the idea that, um, Let's take the Bible and let's actually believe what it tells us to believe. Let's actually follow it um, without a preconceived notion. And I think that, I mean, it's crazy how that that scares people so often. It's like, I don't have a preconceived notion to believe that 
this is sin for that God prohibits same gender, uh, you know, same sex behavior. Um, if I don't come to the table with that, like why, why does that make people so nervous? Why are people, why are we so inclined to, as you just said, circle the wagons without even really being objective? Is, it, is that just a human nature thing? <clears throat> yeah, I think so. I think it's partly that. I think, um, I think people are scared that if you, well, that there is this idea, right? I mean, and, and it's partially true that anybody can kind of make the Bible say whatever they want. So there's this fear that, I keep using the word fear, but <laughs> I, I do think that that is a, a major problem on so many levels in evangelicalism. But, um, you know, people are scared that, you know, you will, if you actually, if you say you go where the Bible goes, you're just going to make up stuff and, and make the Bible affirm your where you want it to go. And, and I guess that, that's possible. People do that, but the opposite is also true, right? Right. We hold on to views that we want to be true, and we don't. We know in in the in the sort of you know in the quiet of our private moments, you know, we know we can't defend it because we don't actually know if the Bible says that, but we just want this to be true. Yeah. And that's true on so many levels. So I think that that's where people are. Um, you know, they would rather it's easier, it's safer. It's, you know, um, it avoids a lot of headaches if you can just hold on to what you want the Bible to say, what you want to be true of Christianity and not, you know, um, and not actually explore whether this is true or not. Uh, there's with some people, their jobs are on the line. Uh, maybe their spouse would get really upset if they change their view on a certain thing. Their Christian friends, they may lose Facebook friends, Twitter followers. I, I don't know. I mean, I think... <laughs> As evangelicals, we, we don't have a good history of uh, you know shifting our perspective on something, even if it's a shift towards what the Bible actually says. But I, from my perspective, like I've been studying the Bible professionally for over twenty years, and gosh, if if I haven't changed my perspective on something over the last twenty years, then I don't think I'm really studying. Did I really have it all together as a twenty-year-old new believer? Like, that's of a great point. <laughs> of of course, if you're studying, you should be changing. The Bible's a pretty, you know, uh, sixty-six books written by forty authors in three different languages that aren't that I'm not that I don't know in several different cultures over a span of a thousand years, like. It takes a lot of work. Like I will probably go to the grave still learning and changing and, and honing my beliefs. I hope I am. It's a sure, pretty sure. difficult book to understand. <laughs> um, man, it's some really great thoughts. You know, as you were talking, I was thinking. Um, it just came to my mind. I, I was, you know, I'm, I'm born and raised in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and okay. I, live in, I live in Orlando now. But I, but I grew up a rabid sports fan of all the Philly teams. So oh, yeah. Eagles, Phillies, Flyers, Sixers, all the you know, we're it's March Madness time. So. Villanova, St. Joe's, Temple on the tournament. And but because I grew up locally, I inherited something. I inherited a loyalty to mm. those teams. And even though I've moved to Florida, I would never consider switching my loyalty. Never. I, those are my squads. Those, are my, those are my teams. Um, I think sometimes we take the same approach to biblical, to what we believe to be biblical doctrines. Like yes. we grow up in a church. We're loyal to that. And even though we move away, no, no, no. I'm, I'm not even going to consider uh, mm -hmm. And while I would say that's the right attitude in the sports world, it's a terrible attitude in biblical understanding. Because yeah. I, I grew up with all kinds of biblical understandings that if I remain loyal to, um, yeah. I'd be in some serious trouble. I, I grew up in a, um, a so-called rapture, kind of Christian context, pre-tribulational rapture, end times, you know. And I remember first hearing 
that there was a guy in our church who was actually believed in the post-trib view of the rapture. And I remember my first thought was like, I thought that guy was a Christian. Like I literally thought that. I was like, I was so confused because I've seen him like study the Bible. I'm like, well, obviously you can't study the Bible and hold to a post-trib rapture view. And I was, it was just, it just threw me for a huge curveball, you know? And, <laughs> and uh, I remember, and then, and then, and then I kind of broadened my perspective and said, okay, I guess there are Christians who don't hold to a pre-trib rapture. And, but then even in like seminary, the word amillennial, it literally like had a wicked like feel to it. Like, oh, that person's amillennial. And, I, and then this image would pop in my head of almost like somebody with a pitchfork and horns, you know, like, oh, gosh, oh, I, I get – maybe there can be Christians like that. And, of course, like R.C. Sproul, like, gosh, oh, I like him. And, okay, well, some, but it still had this – it just – even to, even it took me like probably 10 years where I could hear the word amillennial and it didn't just spring up kind of this negative – reaction. And uh, by the way, I'm not a rapture guy at all anymore. <laughs> I don't know what I am anymore, but – um. <clears throat> You know, it, it's funny how it's almost it's hard to explain, but how like like exactly what you're saying that they you know you, you develop these loyalties early on and allegiances and anybody that's not that it's almost like you're against them. You know, I grew up loving the Los Angeles Dodgers, which meant I hated the Giants, and the thought even today of like being a Giants fan is just weird. Like I can't, but we we translate that same exactly what you said that same sports allegiance to certain preachers and theological doctrines and camps and. You know, you're Reformed, you're Wesleyan, you're Anglican. You have these allegiances that prevent you almost from having constructive relationships or dialogue with people outside that those allegiances. Um, man, and I, I would challenge everyone listening to this, and this is a challenge I try to give to myself regularly, is to please, 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 as objectively as possible, with, with, with a desperate humility, ask begging of the Holy Spirit, go to the text, Read what it says and and go be willing to go wherever the text leads you. Uh, the Bible is more important than Kenny's words or Preston's words. Um, and so, Dr. Sprinkle, thank you so much for your time. Man, this has been fantastic content. Um, I am really, really excited to post this uh, yep. for so many different reasons, you know, for, for our audience. I think people are going to get a lot out of it. Um, any other resources you know, other than your book, uh, any other yep. books, blogs, videos that you'd recommend people check out? For, for the homosexuality question, uh, Wesley Hill's Washed and Waiting is excellent. That should be read by everybody. Um, there's a small, short book called Is God Anti-Gay? Written by a pastor who experienced the same-sex attraction. Um, and uh, that, that's a fantastic book. Um, I would also recommend – people get mad when I recommend this, but to go, go read Torn. T-O-R-N by Justin Lee. Now, Justin Lee is a gay Christian. He affirms same-sex relations, but that book is a fantastic window into a genuine you know, struggle and, and journey that he was on as a, as a gay teenager. Um, so I'd recommend those, those three books. Uh, there's a lot of other good stuff out there, but those would be the top three I'd recommend. That's fantastic. And then anyone listening to this who wants to keep up with all things Preston Sprinkle, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, my website, PressAndSprinkle.com, uh, but also probably more uh, the one I, I'm on the most is my blog, which is called Theology in the Raw. Theology in the Raw. I also have a podcast by the same name. Um, my Twitter handle is Press and Sprinkle. I, I, I landed that one. There's actually several Press and Sprinkles out there. I've come to find out, <laughs> but, I, but I got the Twitter handle uh, at Press and Sprinkle. Um, Facebook as well. So yeah. 
Fantastic. And we'll make sure we have all of those linked up. If you go to our website, theologyfortherestofus.com, we'll have the link to all of the books that uh, Dr. Sprinkle has mentioned. We'll also have the link to his podcast, uh, Theology in the Raw, which I have been listening to and have thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, we'll have the link on there for that. We'll also have the link to uh, his website and all of his social media accounts. So that'll make it easier for you. Click on that. Uh, Dr. Preston Sprinkle, thank you so much for uh, spending time with us today. It has been a blast. Yeah, my pleasure, man. Anytime. And there you have it. That was my interview with Dr. Sprinkle. Uh, I really love doing it. I love getting a chance to connect with him. Really feel like uh, Dr. Sprinkle brought some great, great points. Uh, I love that he called out the stigma uh, around homosexuality that doesn't seem to be around a lot of other sins. He really kind of called out how inconsistent we we are and gave some great wisdom on kind of how to navigate that. I, I really thought that was valuable. I, I also love that he was willing to make the statement like we go wherever the text leads. Like whatever the Bible says, that's where we go. Like you know, we are willing to admit that maybe we've been wrong on our theological you know perspectives, and you know we we don't keep loyalty to theological positions the way we do with with football teams or sports teams, right? Like we are always willing to objectively examine the scripture and wherever that leads us, you know, as we are doing honest, quality biblical research, that's a direction we should be willing to go. And then I also love that you know I love the point that he was able to you know, drive home that, that overall this is not an issue. This is about people and that we as Christians, those of us who are Christ followers should be willing to stand up against gay bullying. We ought to be able to stand up against homophobic, uh, you know, slurs. We ought to be able to, to stand up against legalistic Christians. We ought to also be able to will, you know, we should be willing to to defend any person of any sexual orientation for any reason. Like defend them if that's the righteous thing to do in that moment. We need to be fiercely committed to loving people and treating them with dignity and respect no matter what. And I believe that that is a great reminder for all of us, uh, regardless of what our theological positions are. So I would highly, highly encourage you, pick up a copy of Dr. Sprinkle's book. Again, it is called People to Be Loved, Why Homosexuality is Not Just an Issue. And if you head over to our website, we will have a link uh, over to, uh, you know, where you can pick up a copy of that book. Of course, you can, obviously you can find it on um, you know, anywhere books are sold. Also on our website, we will have in the show notes for this episode, we'll have some links both to where you can connect with Dr. Sprinkle as well as his podcast and some of the books that he mentioned. Head over to our website, theologyfortherestofus.com. Look up episode 79. Look at the show notes and we'll have lots of of the things that he mentioned and, and we'll have some additional resources that, that I've been recommending uh, in other episodes, we'll have them linked on that page as well. So you can go to that page and get lots of great, great resources. If you'd like to connect with me personally, the best way to do that is on Twitter. You can find me at Kenneth Ortiz. It's K-E-N-N-E-T-H-O-R-T-I-Z. If you have a question that you'd like to have answered or addressed on the podcast, please feel free to shoot me an email. I promise we will address every question that comes our way. The email address is Hey Ortiz at theologyfortherestofus.com. That's H E Y O R T I Z at theologyfortherestofus.com. Our intro and outro theme music has been I'm Shipping Up to Boston by the Dropkick Murphys. I'm Kenny Ortiz, and this has been Theology for the Rest of Us.